my my dream is um, my dream is to feed every kid a, a healthy meal every day to ha to have a salad that came from a local um, a local garden um, and feed every kid that that salad every day. Wow, I, that's my goal. Good morning, everyone. This is Jared Bass with Mark McCain. You are listening to Triumph Every Day. We talk about the journeys that shaped the lives of our guests and how it brought them to where they are today. And we have a, uh, a blast from the past guest, <laughs> Joseph Schroer. Schroer? I'll just say it either way. I'll yes, say it both ways. We'll cover both bases. Uh, Joe is my old soccer coach, believe it or not. Mm. True. From way back, when did when did you start coaching us? Uh, started coaching you all back in was it two thousand? No, two thousand two one somewhere in there. Man. The early zeros. The early zeros. Were you still zeros. in Miami? Um, no, I was at UC at the time. I was taking classes and. Um, I know there was one year that I went to France for a year, did some stuff, um, came back, I think I had you for a year or two more, and then, um, yeah, then you all graduated and stuff. We all grew up. It's unbelievable. We all grew up. on your uh, great paths, yeah. journeys. Well, the funny thing is, is, you know, I, I we were a part of that team for I don't know how many years, and, um, and just from a personal level, I mean, I think you probably impacted me more as a coach than than just about anybody else I had. Just the way you coached, the way you kind of thought about things. Um, and just your training style was always always fun to be a part of. Try to keep things interesting, which is something we try and do um, pretty regularly. Yeah. So, um, But that is not necessarily the reason why you're here today. We're not here to reminisce about soccer. <laughs> uh, we can. I uh, would like to talk to you about the dynamics of being a goalie in just about any sport and why and what's wrong with you all. Mentally, <laughs> we, we like punishment. I, I guess, man. I watch. We just got finished watching the World Cup, and you know, watching these guys sacrifice themselves uh, over and over again. And that's that's being a goalie in any sport. It takes a different mental fortitude. I don't know what it is, especially like hockey goalies. Those guys, the catchers, super athletes. Uh, it's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. Anyway. So, yeah, there were a few goalies that really impressed me at the World Cup. The, the guy from England, yep. Percival, who like, could just jump out of, the, out of the stadium, I think. Yeah. Um, Courtois was really good, obviously. He got the glove. Uh, but the, uh, the guy from France, Loris, um, I really enjoyed watching him. He made some spectacular saves. And for me, the one thing I, I was most impressed about was the anticipation, right? Yeah. Like, like that they could anticipate that angle and and where the ball was going to be at some point because there were some there were some shots out there that you know the the offensive player is a one touch volley you know and they're just you lining get, it up you get a volley corner. and it's going to go it can look like it's going left and it'll cut right and yeah. and you it's crazy we've talked about the flow state before here mm -hmm. and just being able to slow down time right. um, and, you know in your mind and you can you can watch the direction and which a ball is spinning. I'm sure you can probably talk about this in baseball too, mm -hmm. where you can actually see probably the seams of a ball, you know, and know that it might change direction at any moment. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, there was the one keeper who, um, in a really, really tough game, 
he was right in front of the ball, but it dipped to the right, hit off his one arm, and went into the goal, right? Loses the game for the team. Mm. So he could kind of tell Judge what was going on with, yeah. that, with that kick, but also, you know, in the end, couldn't, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's, uh, it's, it's obviously always easier to play the, uh, well, to change the sport, you know, armchair quarterback, where you're watching everything in replay going, what did you do? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But when a 60-mile-an-hour knuckleball comes at you, yeah. you know, it's unreal. <laughs> there's, but, there's some element of luck involved sometimes too. It's just you know. Yes. You have to be. Lucky your PKs. I mean, yeah. there's only so much you can anticipate. Right. You know, uh, the the guy on the line is just as equally adept to changing direction as the guy shooting the ball. Mm. You know, so uh, those are almost a coin toss where you you're just committing fully to one side or committing fully to the other. Mm. Um, but I digress. Well, again, we can go down that road forever. <laughs> uh, we we. I saw we've kind of communicated back and forth along the way on Facebook, and mm-hmm. I and I saw a page pop up, um, greenstems.org, and it piqued my interest, and I was kind of looking into it and kind of watching what you were doing, and I feel like it goes hand in hand, um, at least on the educational and nutritional side of things and what we try and preach. I feel mm-hmm. like there's parallels there. I kind of want to address and just see where the idea came from, um, and and kind of where you want everything to go. So mm-hmm. maybe just a little background for everybody on what, what Green Stems is, where the idea came from. Yeah, right on. Yeah, yeah. Greenstems.org is um, a local nonprofit, Southwest Ohio, really. Um, but I get into I get into downtown, Butler County, uh, Warren County, lots of places. And our, our goal is to promote uh, really in general nature education, but we work a lot with school gardens. We work a lot with um, uh, science teachers who want to get kids outside. Um, another piece of that is promoting healthy, sustainable lifestyles through nature education, through garden education, all those sorts of things, right? So, um, so children today are less outside than they ever have been, right? That's that's a mild understatement. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Uh, even my own kids, right? It's summertime, and, and my kids, the thing they most want to do is be on the iPad or they want to watch a movie, you know, mm-hmm. gets to be 96 degrees outside, and mm-hmm. they don't want to go outside too much, right. you know. In their defense, I didn't really want to go outside yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it's '96, and, and it's yeah. it's. Uh, I don't again. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I did see uh, it was you know one of those memes the other day, and was like, it was like kids these days have all these things, and he was holding a PSP. If you remember those, yeah, he's like, bet most kids wouldn't even recognize this. And somebody was like. That thing cost like three hundred dollars when it came out. Like you yeah. were spoiled. Like yeah. that was the same. Yeah. It's the same equivalent. Right. Totally you know? true. So Joe, whenever you say uh, nature education, what a what maybe exactly are you? Yeah. So so um, I teach mostly at Miami University. I teach mostly courses in early childhood education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, I work with a lot of people who are pre-service early childhood educators, mm-hmm. right? So who are going to be working in that pre-K through three environment. Mm-hmm. So we want we want kids, how do, how do young, young children learn best? Well, and how do they learn in general? Is they learn through experience, right? They engage in the environment. Sure. And so young, um, so teachers of young children need to be able to create environments in which children can interact with things and then that's how they're really gonna be learning, right? Mm-hmm. So ages three to eight is kind of what I'm talking about there. Okay. So nature education is getting uh, teachers to take kids outside, right? Like yeah. having planned activities 
or questions or hikes, whatever it might be to engage the children in outside activities to be able to then bring that back inside um, and, and so forth. So there's that kind of exchange. But um, what, yeah. kind, what kind of demographic are you looking at as far as, um, you know, three to eight? You know, again, you talk about kids being a little more sedentary. Yeah. Is it is it, you know, these are just normal kids are they under special circumstances or is it just kind of a wide array typically normal functioning kids although um, I do work with uh, special education faculty members as well and we work on different projects together to create inclusive outdoor educational experiences um, I worked at uh, Hamilton High School for example just recently um, we are in the midst uh, we just started this past spring of creating a sensory garden in the middle of the high school, they have these little courtyards. Well, they're not little, they're <laughs> pretty big courtyards. And so uh, creating a sensory garden is about touch, smell, feel, sight, all these sorts of things. But really the goal is to not only bring science classrooms out there, but to also bring um, the special education courses out there. So these are students in high school who have very special needs. A lot of times they're in wheelchairs or they have um, uh, assistive devices, whatever it might be. But we, uh, the high school, actually, the Ag Department built these raised bed gardens that were wheelchair accessible uh, for uh, the kids. So, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't think about it sometimes. And, and I, think, I think kind of what you're talking about there, you don't think about it like a garden. If you, if you plant a garden, how accessible is a garden to someone in a wheelchair, to someone with cerebral palsy, or to, right. you know, those sorts of things. So, um, so we actually started to think about this. and, and um, uh, yeah, so sensory gardens are a great a great avenue to get out there with with that mm -hmm. sort of idea too. What? Um, how difficult is that working with? Our schools very receptive to this because I feel like I feel like we. I remember being in grade school and it's like the school lunches were it's like you're traveling tacos, yeah. you know, uh, right. chicken nugget day, pizza day, you know. Obviously, they're the difficult part of that is they're on a budget. You know they can't just go out and buy fresh produce every single day um, but at the same time they have responsibility to provide you know meals that meet certain requirements uh, but sometimes it's probably in your eyes as requirements are the bar set pretty low right well well um, yeah you're kind of opening a, a little hat yeah that's that yeah. a good one it's a good one though I like this um, so part of what green stems does too is also pairing the nutrition side of things and working school garden there's a, there's a whole movement um garden to cafeteria and farm to cafeteria there there are multiple movements sure. that. and mm -hmm. uh actually cincinnati just this past year hosted the national farm to cafeteria conference oh, cool. and there were hundreds of people it was just huge huge mm. huge and they it, it was just a great great experience um i was able to go and, and network and whatnot but so there are a lot of misconceptions that schools have, right? And most of the time, the cafeteria, the food side of things is just quarantined over here in the district, and it's like, just give us the, the daily minimum requirements, right? So the, the state of Ohio and the government, they, they regulate cafeterias, and they, they want the cafeteria workers to not only you know make everything, prep it, send it out to the kids, and so forth. So the easiest way to do that is frozen foods. Right, so just 
pump truck in, you know, Gordon Foods or whatever it is, and, and, and just GFS, and, GFS yeah. and all those things have tons of preservatives. There's nothing fresh about them. Um, uh, who knows what's in half the walking tacos and the yeah. hamburger patties? And, Delicious, but not yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the pizzas, I love the pizzas. Well, right? I think but, I think it's a it's a term that you know I don't think. Mark necessarily coined it, but we use it here before. It's checking the box or filling the box. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and it's like it's checking it versus filling it. Yeah, you know, you know and it's like it's, for a lot of people, it's just like let's just. I need food. Check. Let's just check that box off. Right. You know, rather than let's fill that box with you vegetables know, and exactly. And, and let's let's have a dialogue and let's be open and let's not um, operate the school as a business yeah right. well and, and, and for, as, for, right. for so you know and for so many people you don't know what you don't know so you're not even necessarily putting someone at fault it's just the fact that they are their nutritional relevance uh, or their their outdoor education relevance is so very very small well you know think about that for a second um, if it's pizza day and kids aren't getting outside and exercising and test scores are low is there ever a correlation made with those things right you know like oh we just had lunch i don't understand you know um why jimmy's why, falling asleep why johnny's sleeping in my <laughs> right ear he's, he's in a food coma he's you know energy basically a pre-diabetic kid or you know what whatever right. i don't know to use extreme examples right but not everyone's going to be like that but at the same time you know it's how engaged do you expect let's just use elementary you know kids to be after they eat maybe two three slices of pizza and don't engage with recess or outdoor and, and then they have to come back in maybe an air-conditioned room or or whatnot and and sit um sit that's the whole the whole yeah. problem we have with, yeah we don't with, just sitting all day you wonder why kids that are 12 years old can't touch their toes it's you have them sitting down for six hours a day you that's know right. plus so anyway I digress That's on right. that. But. No, no, no. You're totally right on because it's the production model. It's the business model of, mm-hmm. of education. And by third grade, kids have to be – the standards are much higher now and the tests, you know, the big high-stakes tests start in third grade. So how do we get the kids to pass those tests and learn how to read and do all the math and so forth? Well, it's the production model, right? Mm-hmm. It's an assembly model. And, and just what you're saying, there's less engagement and more mm-hmm. worksheets than mm-hmm. ever ever before because you're you're basing everything around a a test that is telling you whether you're smart or not right right <laughs> and the whole idea i mean you know that uh, uh, testing <laughs> i i teach assessment so it's yeah. a big mm-hmm. deal right but mm-hmm. the whole idea is that you know kids need to be able to learn how to read by a certain age uh, mm-hmm. is that true well I, they need to be able to read mm-hmm. um you're right though um about all the food that they consume and then they sit. And you also have to remember in low income areas, they're also getting breakfast. They're getting prepackaged breakfasts mm-hmm. that come in like hot, they look like hot pocket breakfasts, mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Sure. Um, and, and they can have all that. So they, they eat breakfast at school, lunch at school. In many cases, they're also eating after, after school meals that, before they go home. And that could be all the food they have for the day. Some, it could some, be. In some extreme cases. It could yeah. be. So between yeah. nine and four, four thirty, they're packing in all of this food, which is great. At least they're, they're eating. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I work with schools in downtown Cincinnati. I, I know that mm-hmm. these kids need food, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But, but also what kind of food are they getting? Right. Is another idea. And yeah. cause I think that's, well, and again, I think that's the really interesting and, and tough part because again, you have a government role to, to basically provide 
for for these low income families or you know these kids that they may be not getting all the food they need at home, but at the same time they have to do so on a national level, almost mm-hmm. a, even maybe even statewide level. Right. You know, you have this big blanket approach. Well, if you extrapolate that, that's that is kind of impossible to do um, a, a farm to cafeteria type situation. Right, and and so that's that's where it does become super difficult because the state um, the state government wants to they're they're going to pay for the food right. right like this all gets funneled through they're going to pay for it so they want to make sure that there's nutritional value to it so the cafeteria workers they have to prep this and write down okay so I've got this meal today how many how much proteins in it carbohydrates mm-hmm. um whatever else yeah, fats fats yeah. and everything else and so so they're regulated on what they can give the kids for that now if you do farm farm or garden school garden into your cafeteria they have to keep track of that they have to figure out mm. right like your cafeteria worker who makes nine dollars an hour mm-hmm. who works part-time who might also do another job on the side as well raise my, their own uh, family my, my mom was a cafeteria worker. yeah so yeah I, it's, it hits home big time yeah and they're 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 under a lot of pressure to get all this stuff ready right. you know throughout the day right. and it's, Hundreds and it's, and it's pretty kids. physical work too you're carrying in those heavy frozen boxes and and moving everything around and that's right opening up giant cans of all 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 the things but yeah so that would be very difficult to fit that in too um but as we know um and i i agree that's 100 percent important i'm not not trying to say like you don't need to know your macro um, nutrients but we know um if if you're eating natural and processed food it's gonna be healthier. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. dependent, yeah. it, it could be all carbohydrate, you know, or whatever. Um, but no, I, I totally get that. Um, you know, you need to be able to break that down, and then how realistic is that um, to fit into that already overworked person? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Oh yeah. And by the way, make this tomato sauce. Prepare, yeah. cut. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the biggest issue mm-hmm. that we have in the schools. Is like mm-hmm. you're feeding hundreds of kids in a in a time crunch, and so yeah, we can go harvest you know, tomatoes in the summer, but who's going to can them? Who's going to prep them, can them, that kind of thing, and then prep it ready for tomato sauce in the fall. That's a a lot of logistics. Mm -hmm. Huge. Yeah. Huge. It's a lot of logistics and a lot of time. It's funny because it it almost comes down to the the passion versus the pay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you have to have someone who's passionate about it because you're probably not going to be able to pay them what they're actually worth, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Right. You know, because you talk about that, that you're you're in the world of a chef. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? You have and, to hire a chef. Yeah. Um, I've been to several schools, uh, one in Ohio, Granville Schools, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, a professional school where they train people to be chefs and they have a chef on, on staff mm-hmm. and that is how they get food into the cafeteria but they have that program right Um, Detroit public schools has farms in the urban core you can look these up and they spend about five hundred thousand dollars a year on these Mm. farms and trying to bring fresh produce and I'll tell you it meets with you know a little bit of success here and there Um, they had a squash harvest for example Mm -hmm. it was able they were able to feed every kid in Detroit public schools a, a bowl of squash soup Mm. just one day though mm-hmm. yeah so how do you right, right. Yeah. so you have to multiply this out mm-hmm. so that squash harvest is great but then how do you how do you do that for a whole year of 180 days right. in a school yeah, yeah that's where you get in GMOs and 
you wonder why all the farming is, yeah. you know, grain fed and yeah, you you come down to check in a box, you know, and it's it's tough. It's yes. a very difficult uh, problem to solve. And I think the word you used earlier was it, it has to become this movement. Yes. It has to become more, you know, one one. And it's just be, becomes like, you know, we're very blessed here to have a lot of great community members that are more than just about themselves. They're more than they're. It's a community, yeah. you know. So that's yeah. what it has to be. Right. You know, Cincinnati Public Schools. It can't, it can't be them and then everyone else. It has to be like everyone has to understand. Well, even smaller than that, the people that go to Cincinnati Public Schools need to understand that, hey, we, we probably need all these volunteers. And, you know, mm-hmm. like we need these people. If, 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 again, you're going to go down this road, you need that community backing it, understanding this is the road, the path that we're taking. Right, right. They need to understand the science behind it. They need to understand the benefits of these mm-hmm. locally grown uh, fresh produce and so forth. And, and also, you know, they're starting to get some research in there, right? Like mm-hmm. kids who, who eat fresh, uh, who have just a salad bar, you know, mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the uh, cafeteria, they, they're more likely to eat produce at home they're more likely to buy fresh produce mm-hmm. from the from the Kroger right. or, it's, or yeah, it becomes habitual you what's know? funny yes. what's funny is the the, yes. the parents who have children that know what we do here you know they will partake in their parents eating better that's you right know? like there's some again your your kid you still like to have your lucky charms and things like that but like you'll see uh, you know kids wanting because it's a it's a monkey see monkey do if mom and yes. dad are eating you know, a, a healthy, well-balanced meal for dinner, they're going to want to do what mom and dad does. That's right. You That's know? right. My three-year-old, my three-year-old um, eats salad. Mm-hmm. He loves salad. Yeah. My, my six-year-old, or seven-year-old now, he, um, he eats broccoli like no tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? Like, I've never met a three-year-old who eats salad, <laughs> but yeah. because we put salad on the table every night, you know, because mm-hmm. I, um, I have a small garden, but, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. so... Because we do that and we model that. Yeah, yeah I agree great. with you. It's the modeling that we do. And what are our schools doing? What do they say to kids when they say, mm-hmm. oh, here, have this that has no taste, mm-hmm. <laughs> frozen, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Yeah. You know? Well, it's that paradigm shift we just were talking about. We're going through this book we're reading right now. And it's, you know, the paradigm shift being kids eat cereal as opposed to kids eat salad. Like, that's it's not just... This doesn't have to be the way it is from now until the end of time. Right. Like, what are they going to say in a hundred years from now? Like, man, can you believe that they used to feed kids the future of the world this, these things? Yeah. You know, like, why weren't they eating all the good stuff? And you know, maybe the parents had to be the ones checking the box and just figuring, you know, figuring it out for themselves. So you know, like you said, you're building almost these habits into these kids, like just throwing, you know, throwing something together. That has no nutritional value, and then um, you know, whenever obviously they get out of school, what do you think they're immediately going to go to whenever they get to college? It's That's like, or, or you know, just out, the, out in the world. Yeah. I can vouch for that. <laughs> well, you know, wave mic and cheese. Lots of ramen, lots, lots of easy mac. Exactly. Oh, you know, yeah. and because yeah. it's convenient and tastes good. You know. Yeah. Um, so, so talking about the um, the physical side of things. So you mm. touched on. I mean, how. What kinds of things are you doing to get these kids in touch with nature? Um, so I've, I've done several different programs. Right now, it's summertime, right? So um, I am working downtown with some kids at a, uh, a new Cincinnati park called Ziegler Park. 
and I've been running an eight-week pollinator uh, camp kind of with them um, and so we've been looking at um, I was fortunate enough to get hooked up with uh, 3CDC um, I had a small grant from the Greater Cincinnati Foundation and um, all to create this eight-week program and you know the kids came in they knew nothing about pollination knew very little about what pollinators are and um and the types defense, of flowers and plants. i don't know much so i can tell you right? <laughs> yeah 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 so and this is this goes along right so like if you want to have a, a home garden or whatever you have to understand you know how your plants are going to create fruits for you right so um and 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 the whole ecosystem around that so pollination is the the act of moving well if you don't mind me saying it, it's sex ed for plants oh, sure. so <laughs> so it's the act Put of a little r rating on this podcast, a little huh? yeah 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 <laughs> so it. it's uh it's the act of moving pollen so from the boy parts of the plant to the girl parts of the plant and then when the pollen um goes into the ovary and the girl parts of the plant well it creates a fruit so a tomato is basically an egg that has seeds on the inside every plant wants to pass along its genetics and survive kind sure. of through seeds, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to create seeds, it sometimes creates a fruit, sometimes it creates uh, just a seed, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, every plant that you look at has seeds yeah. somewhere, somehow. Um, so um, sometimes plants are perfect flowers and they have both the boy and the girl parts. And mm -hmm. sometimes uh, they just have the boy parts or the girl parts, like cucumbers, for example. Um, they're, they have boy and girl flowers. Tomatoes have both parts together, so the wind, uh, or corn, the wind can pollinate uh, these, these plants. So anyway, the act of pollinators is to, like bees, for example, uh -huh. uh, bees, butterflies, moths, ants, all these animals, is to make pollination happen, hmm. right? And so, um, so that's my goal is to teach kids uh, to understand what pollination is, understand the insects involved, understand the challenges that face our bees today, for example. Last week we had a, a huge bee week and um, we understood how honey is made, we understand how, how to work with bees. Kids came in, they were scared to death of bees and now they touch bumblebees because they know they're not gonna sting them. Right. You know, so like I have a huge, huge shift in understanding. I have a quick question. Yes. Um, I have horrible allergies. Yes. Um, like allergic to everything since I was born. Right. Basically. Um, so recently I was looking up uh, different things. I've, I discovered I had a, um, a cottonwood tree in my backyard and we just moved in a house Lovely and whatnot. And, and yeah, yeah, so it like looks like it's snowing two weeks out of the year. Jarrett was actually over. Uh, the one one day when it, we were, yeah. it was in season it's done now it's fine um however i was looking up different things um to kind of make me more immune you know towards certain allergies and one of the things that was recommended was local honey yeah and it's oh, yeah. you know maybe you can speak to that a little bit yeah, if people yeah, are, yeah. are listening that might have some allergies yeah 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 and there are also uh pollen pills i think pollen that you pills. can also okay. take i haven't as heard that well. one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so so local honey what the bees do is you know the reason why you would want local honey is to kind of help you become immune right mm. like i know some folks who have eaten poison ivy and mm. what does that do it helps you not get 
the, the rash, mm. the itch, because what that is, it's an allergic reaction, mm. right? So like the idea, the whole idea behind local honey then is to eat the pollen much like you would get a flu vaccine. You actually put flu in your body sure. and your body builds the, the immunity toward it. So mm. if you eat local honey, you're getting nectar and pollen from local wildflowers mm-hmm. um, or even the trees or whatever it might be that blooms. And you're going to get that um, and you're going to ingest that. And sure. that helps you become more immune mm-hmm. uh, to those allergens that are out there. Mm-hmm. You should see world. Mark tomorrow. There's a giant lamb. Yeah, it's just going to be <laughs> scooping it. Honey on everything. Honey on everything. <laughs> Mark honey needs steak. That's yeah. fine. That's all right. Steak. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm always fascinated by that. Sorry, Jared. Um, you know, because obviously modern medicine wasn't around forever. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated by these, you know, almost indigenous tribes and whatnot that yeah. that uses plant medicine yeah. and that, you know, more in particular, you know, as, um, you know, obviously I feel like everyone has had a family member that's suffered from cancer, you know, yeah. and they want to basically, you know, this chemotherapy and stuff yeah. like that. And, and the, but there is a lot of studies out there that show like, just by eating um, a plant-based diet yeah. or Changing. just using the medicine mm-hmm. that the world provides as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, blowing up, you know, all of, all of your system basically and yeah. ingesting it with all these toxins. So anyway, I don't want to get, you know, necessarily get down that road, but I just want to throw that out there. Like I'm always fascinated when I hear things like that, like people eat poison ivy and like some people will listen to that and be like, whoa, that's crazy. Like why would they do that? Well, I think that the bigger picture is that most, not most, there are some of the larger health issues that can be addressed along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you know, heart disease, type two diabetes. A lot of these things that, that people just think that well, that's just how that's just the way it is. A lot of that stuff can be addressed kind of well before it becomes mm-hmm. an issue. Yes. You know. Yeah, I saw a, a recent study uh, published in the past year out of France that um, processed foods were the like the number one leading cause of cancer. Sure. The fact that we eat so many processed foods that yeah. that's actually, you know, part of the reason why we're getting Absolutely. so much cancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the one thing is, is like to, to realize that like it's, if you, if you have a, a bag of, you know, tater tots, it's not the end of the world. But right. if, if that is your sole mm-hmm. meal every night, you know, right. then that's when it becomes an issue. And right. Or three to four nights a week or the fast food right. or whatever it might be, you know, um, that's where it comes back to. We we're, we're talking just briefly before about about cooking. Right. Sure. So part of what we do at, at Green Stems, what we, you know, profess a lot is, you know, not just the school garden and not just getting the kids outside and being active, but learning how to prepare foods mm. that they can do. A lot of the uh, underprivileged kids that I, I work with in the inner city their parents aren't even home. They're being mm-hmm. taken care of by an older sibling yeah. um, because their mom and dad's working two or three jobs, whatever it might be. So what are those kids eating? They're right. eating a bag of chips that's that's in the in mm-hmm. there. You know, so, and, and maybe a pop from the fridge or whatever it might be. Oh, and there's a whole new, um, what's well, not a new term, but your, your food deserts. Yeah, food deserts, know, right, um, right. Where you don't have accessibility to um, proper nutrition even if you wanted to you know right. if, if you go through a program where you learn like oh this is how I cook you know there are some places where that's not even an option right mm-hmm. two sides to the coin the Kroger downtown on Vine Street you know they'll tell you we don't have fresh pr- produce because the people won't buy it 
Yeah. And then on the other side of the coin, the people say, well, I can go to Kroger on Vine Street, but there's no fresh produce to buy there. Mm, right. So, like, you know, yeah, cart and horse a, and, and those sorts of things, it's a really it's difficult. A, it's a vexing problem. I can't, yeah. by the way, I can't, I can't believe that there's not a Kroger downtown yet. Um, that, that a proper Kroger downtown no. being the headquarters of said Kroger. Right. Uh, yeah. But that's a different story. Oh, we just got canceled. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, um, uh, so we have some out. So there's outdoor education. Um, mm-hmm. You're obviously getting kids outside. Yes. Um, is there a an active part to it? Is it mostly yeah. educational? Yeah, absolutely. So so kids learn by experience by doing um, a lot of the research out of actually the University of Cincinnati. They have an amazing outdoor education center, the Arlet Center there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to throw a plug, you can take a look at some of their research and what they're doing. They find that kids who engage in outdoor learning activities, experiential activities, have higher STEM test scores, science um, proclivities, more higher proclivity to, to engage in science and, and understand science um, and math as well, by the way. Um, all these things build our spatial reasoning, uh, spatial environment. So kids outside, they learn by uh, building a dam in a river. They learn by redirecting that stream. They learn by playing with sticks mm-hmm. and rocks, right? What does a stick become? In the world. Anything. Right. Right. <laughs> Absolutely anything. You know, they learn by building forts and playing tag. Playing tag. Tag is one of the oldest games. It's and and yeah. in and in uh, in Europe I, I had a I went to a, a conference on play once and there was a whole um, uh, a whole session just on, on tag. The, the research that, that these folks did on TAG and the different words. They just made a movie about it. Yeah, there's I mean, a movie. Oh, no way, I didn't yeah. see yeah, this. Yeah, there's a five, five guys who played TAG for 30 years. Oh, no and way, they go that's to, like, why. the most extreme, like. Yeah. Oh, that's why the sport of TAG is now, like. They have, they have parkour, parkour, parkour yeah, TAG. That's yeah, that's what I just yeah. saw, that's yeah. what I just saw. It's pretty insane. My seven-year-old loves parkour, and I wonder if he's gotten into that something. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's that, that in particular is pretty pretty amazing to watch uh, you see very athletic people doing so some, smooth, I know yeah. it's crazy it's, but but anyway. uh, there's what you're doing is what we're trying to redirect later in life mm. I guess is yes. so what you're doing trying to get people to understand nutrition trying to get them more active trying to get them off their butt and not sitting trying to get them to understand how to just just to do simple cooking is what we're trying to do as adults that's right so because we forget it, I know the benefit is like you're doing it. You're or, doing or it when they're when it's easy to teach kids. Yeah. We're doing it later on when it's harder to make these changes because again, well, that's just the way it is. Well, that's not true. Right. You know, um, right. the, the the nice thing in our situation is we have, generally speaking, as adults, you have the resources to make the changes easier than you do as a child. Right. Um, you know, you have the the ability to. Well, if I live downtown, I can just drive up in Newport. You right. can't do that as an eight year old. Right. You know. Right. right so, right. but the parallels are, are are definitely there. You know, they're we're trying to get people to a just understand movement. B understand that you know we we it's still drawing the board over there a little triangle. You know, the triage of you know we have 
your nutrition, you have overall fitness, and then you have mobility. Just as, as adults, you need mobility way more than you do as, as kids because you're just made of rubber when you're when you're eight years old. You know, it's like I fell, and you bounce, you get back up, and you're yeah, fine. You should see my kids wrestle. Yeah. So, but you know, it. The I think the hardest thing for us is is the nutrition piece, is to get people to understand that there's a direct correlation to how you look and feel, mm-hmm. how you perform in here, mm-hmm. probably how you perform in your job, you know, how you sleep. Yeah, it's, absolutely. I, I, I literally have not had caffeine this week and I'm, I'm starting to take a little bit, like, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm falling asleep like that at night. You haven't exploded. You know? <laughs> I haven't exploded yet. Or Spontaneous combustion. Yeah. No. But the funny thing is, is like I knew that that's what would happen, but yeah. to really experience, like to really not have caffeine for a whole oh week, I'm like, I get into bed and I read like 10 pages and I was, yes. I mean, I was out. You yeah, know? Yeah. As a teacher, um, former middle school, high school teacher and now college prof and whatnot, and when I get into, te- when I get into schools, I see... They bring teachers now a cart of donuts and coffee, mm-hmm. and they bring it around two to three times a day. Whoa. It's unbelievable. And I, I tell you something, I really believe, you know, the habits of teachers, they get up very early, they work very hard, and mm-hmm. they stay late, and they do things. So, you know, like, what do they want to do when they get home? Well, five, six, five o'clock, they want to get home. They want to eat right away because they're hungry, because they're starving, because they've had all that sugar, all that caffeine. They've worked mm-hmm. super hard, all that kind of stuff, right? What What's our habit, right? Mm-hmm. You, what you're talking about, like, with nutrition and trying to build that habit, and, and we've talked a little bit about convenience and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is you want to get home and you want to eat because you've had sugar and caffeine all day, right? So, like... Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've adopted in my life a little bit, well, two things. Number one, I switched from tea to coffee a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I'll take weeks off of coffee and I switch Mm -hmm. to tea and do that a lot. But number two is I try to eat later. I try to eat around seven o'clock. We try to slow down. Like, yeah, I'll have a snack when I get, have some cheese when I get home maybe. But I'm going to cook. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna run run around with kids and cook. I'm gonna tell my kids to go outside, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna cook. I'm gonna barbecue. I'm gonna take the time. I'm gonna take 40, 45 minutes to prepare something. Either mm-hmm. I got it from my garden, or um, you know, or we had something in the fridge, whatever it is. But like learning how to cook, even if it's a three ingredient meal, a five ingredient meal, whatever it is, but learning how to cook, prepare food. There's like there's so no, uh, you know. It's not a surprise that there's so many cooking shows and food shows and all these things out there because it's there's something a communal about it, you know. Especially, you know, it's well, it's, what what do you look for first for when you buy a house? What's your kitchen look like? Mm-hmm. I mean, hundred percent of the time, yeah. you know, kitchen and bathrooms. Like it's never like, well, let's go look at the spare bedroom. No, it's always let's go directly to the kitchen. Wow, they took a lot of good care of this. I can see myself and my family there. Right. You know that. It's such a communal space about it, um, right. and and again, it's just one of those things that I, I love the fact that it's like I'm going to take the time because I think we we all get wrapped up in our own business thinking like if I don't do this right now, the I'm world is going to starve. Yeah, mm-hmm. or you the know? or the world is going to come crashing down around right. me. Like I oh, I got I got to eat real quick because I still got to do I got to right. grade these papers, get <laughs> I got these projects done. Emails. I, I've been you know I I have a bad habit of staying up. Till 9 30 10 o'clock on my computer at you know at the kitchen table after I eat 
And it's like I've started to just put it away. If I don't get every single thing I was supposed to get done that week, I probably have at least decreased my stress level by, mm-hmm. you know, twofold by not having to, to like think I have to get this done. Right. The reality mm-hmm. is the world is, the sun's going to set tomorrow. That's right. You know, it's not going to stop just because you didn't get this done. That's right. You know, and I think taking the time to cook, um, there's A, and it increases the, you know, togetherness of your family. That's right. You know, the conversations you have over a bag of McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Or not the same conversations you have over over right. that you know right. three three course meal or two right. course meal exactly go ahead I agree finish your points um, no <laughs> I, I mean it was it's basically that I, the, the times that um, myself and my my fiance uh, and future wife and like how many days nineteen days oh something like that what nineteen I, I can't count that's know. not right uh, something like that um, but the the times that will make those those meals together it's it's you're, let's put it this way she's not pulling out her, her phone to take a picture of you know the Arby's that we picked up that's right right, right. <laughs> right. she's going to take a picture of the color right uh, of, know, of, like, of, the, of the meal that we just made together that's right you know one, one thing right. I want to jump in that you guys were talking um, about waiting you know to eat and stuff like that one thing i've definitely learned over the years i used to be a very regimented like i need to eat every two to three hours you know because yeah. i've always been what's considered a hard gainer you know and i've kind of just accepted my body type yeah. <laughs> you know and it's like oh, i'm gonna eat six meals a day to gain five pounds and just it sucks and i've heard about it, athletes yeah. too like some athletes i know to gain weight yeah, right it's, it's, it's very difficult um yeah. for certain people so mark but, is one of those guys that will eat a whole pizza and be like well you know but one thing i've learned you know over the years um is sometimes it's better just not to eat you know if it's going to be crap so like those donut carts you were just talking about yeah. it's almost like hey you know what mm, I don't, i'm good you know as opposed to i'm gonna i'm gonna have this little bit of sugar <laughs> this let's be honest crack <laughs> yeah I mean, um, to to get me going and then you know check the box or everyone will say like oh yeah i had lunch it was a donut it's like no I, you know intermittent fasting is a, is a real thing it's totally yeah, fine yeah. and us in america look we are in the one percent if you live in this country by and large you're in the one percent you can get food you anytime know, you want it you don't know hunger yeah. <laughs> there's people out there that experience hunger you know you don't need to eat every two to three hours per se obviously if you're you know working towards the goal of fitness and and so on and so forth ideally you want to you know, have have your meals throughout the day, so on and so forth. But there's been definitely times where maybe we go on a trip or whatnot, and I'm I'm not as like, Jerry, we need to go to Chipotle right now. I need food. It's just I can wait. You know, yeah. I can I can wait like to eat as yep. opposed to, you know, I'm gonna pick pick donuts. You know, really, I mean, nutrition. You know, the the word that I think that is synonymous with it is just discipline. Yeah. You know, and I mean, yes. obviously, you're working in in education. You know. Um, sounds like for quite some time and it's it's just like anything else I mean if you want to be a better student you just got to be disciplined yeah. you know if you, you have to those have people that, generally aren't that much smarter than you they just studied yeah. more than you did it's the same thing it's like those guys those guys that or those girls that you see that maybe you want that body and it's like they're probably just more disciplined than you are mm-hmm. you know I remember watching um now, because Jared and I go back pretty far, yeah. I remember Jared as a pretty skinny kid, mm-hmm. pretty, oh, you know, some pretty stories. bony. Yeah, <laughs> you might you might have seen some pictures here and there, but I I had a bowl cut probably at one point. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen I've seen some pretty 
Yeah, some pretty rad style. Yeah, some yeah. pretty rad style. Maybe a maybe a puka shell necklace at one point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh wow! But, but I remember, remember, you know, even just a few years back, I think when 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 you started really, really lifting, mm-hmm. you know, and really doing, you know, um, clean and jerks and and so forth. I remember you posting, um, and I, I was so so impressed. You would post like on Sunday or Monday, you'd post your meals and you know, I saw color and protein and this and that. And you yep. and you also took those days, those free days, right? I, I don't know if you want to talk more about yeah, it, yeah. but I just remember seeing this, this like some cheat days. The cheat days, yeah. right? These pictures of these giant, you know, we were plates. Just talking about that, talking about that today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and there's there is that it's the the eighty twenty rule, if you will. You know, it's not so much anymore. I've I mean, I think the it was like, hey, let's just have these blowout meals, and but now mm. it's more like I'm gonna have like your little cheat item. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm just gonna have this one thing that tastes really good instead of just this like 3,900 calorie, mm-hmm. you know, smorgasbord <laughs> that, that um, is gonna put me under for six hours. Um, but <laughs> the Joey Chestnut. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, but but you have to have some release. Like I don't. That's definitely not what we're saying. Is like no, you, you no. have to be this regimented. You know, cook every single meal. Like no, enjoy no. yourself from time to time. But the reality is, is that the the preparedness and the the healthy cooking and the whole foods meal, um, not the store whole foods, but the yeah, whole yeah, foods yeah, meal yeah, yeah. that you're having should be the predominant factor in your life. Right. You know, and it's that's when that's it's funny because it can be as simple as that. Mm. If you really want to change your body composition, if you really want to change how you eat, feel, sleep, work. It's as simple as that. Stop, have, have more of those and less of the cheat meals. If you want to go the opposite direction, have more cheat meals. You know, yeah. it's, it can be as simple as that if you want it to be. So it's, it's, you know, the simple answer to a lot of the questions and problems is diet and nutrition, but it's also, it's as easy as that, but it's really hard. You know, it's as hard as that. It's as hard as, you know, finding some discipline, find, learning how to cook, taking these steps. And I think some people just get so overwhelmed by looking at that, they never start. Yeah. So I love that you're helping people start yeah. at an early at an early age. You know? So sweet transitioning yeah. uh, past these kind of three and eight year olds, yeah. Um, yeah. where have you seen like these kids that you have at this age? Do you see personal results later on of like, wow, these kids have definitely taken a different path? Um, I'm not sure how long you've been doing this to see that far, but yeah, yeah, you know what? What I tend to see, uh, um, you know, just through a school year, uh, what we tend to see is we see the kids who are super scared of a broccoli or super mm-hmm. reluctant to try um, kohlrabi or Swiss chard or some of the, you know, maybe an exotic, some, or maybe just as simple as lettuce, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. a, a lot of kids are just like, I don't like it. Well, when's the last time you hit it? I don't know, never. I've never had Yeah, it. so, right, so like, um, so what we see we in hear a that transition. Adults, by the way, it's fine. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hard, right? Yeah. Um, um, what we see is a transition within a school year. We see the transition within the school year, where where when we introduce something new at the beginning of the year, um, kids are less likely to try it by the middle of the year. They're grabbing it out of your hands. I walked into one classroom that I had worked with at the beginning of the year. I walked in in the middle of the year, and I had you know some Swiss chard with me, and these kids they. 
they tackled me, you know, <laughs> like, what do you have? And they're just ripping it apart because they wanted to try it. They knew they had liked what they had had before. Well, that's, and you can, you can extrapolate that down the road of yes. just being able and wanting to try new experiences. That's right. You know, that is, um, it, even if the nutritional stuff doesn't stick, having the idea that I can try new things and it's not going to hurt me that's is right. that's a huge huge skill to learn right right for for just example my daughter um, just my daughter you know like for her it's as simple as I didn't like it with this salad dressing so I'm gonna try this salad dressing now she only has her salad with this dressing but yep. she'll eat that salad every time yeah you know so like you know sometimes it's as simple as just trying a different type of recipe try a different spice try a different thing you know and not and not pushing the wayside why well, didn't like that so i'm never gonna have it again that's right you that's know? right that's yeah. right like some people like pineapple on pizza i love it mm -hmm. but <laughs> you uh, know everyone, yeah. you might you might start a war with that one i know right <laughs> <laughs> right right but you know it's a it's a thing like well maybe i didn't like it with this type of pizza but you know you try it with pineapple and like barbecue chicken and yep. all of a sudden it becomes that amazing you know sweet and savory mm -hmm. type of thing mm -hmm. um you know i'll so give you that one i'll give you that pineapple one <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't want to mess with no, that <laughs> um so where kind of where do you want to see this this whole program go if if you know if everything worked out in your favor is there like a plan for it or are we just kind of moving along as we get grants and these kids kind of move through the program you know what i want to do my my dream is um my dream is to feed every kid a, a healthy meal every day to, ha to have a salad that came from a local um a local garden um and feed every kid that that salad every day Wow. I, that's my goal in Southwest Ohio mm -hmm. um, I know it's possible mm -hmm. um, I know people will say well what about winter well you know there there are new techniques in hydroponic gardening there are new techniques in greenhouse gardening there, there are sure. hoop houses there are different types of vegetables that we haven't thought of a salad doesn't have to be just leafy greens There's it doesn't have to be yeah. that's right that's right there are lots and lots of different uh, vegetables um, and fruits that we can grow root vegetables for example mm -hmm. um, they take a long time but but they're definitely doable and um, you know that's my goal if if we had if we just had a salad bar that was fresh, local, in every every school, and we tried new things every once in a while, had tastings and so forth. Um, I think kids would get the message, and I would think that they. Um, and then we do all the nature ed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then we're we're walking and we're hiking and we're, um, we're we're doing things outside and we're creating experiences for kids. Uh, Green Acres is a local. It's in Indian Hill. It's a local farm. We're getting kids to Green Acres to be able to understand uh, where food comes from and, and all these all right. sorts of things. Um, you know. If we start to do that, then maybe, maybe um, I think I think children will make a different choice when they get to the grocery later on in life. I, I, and maybe, maybe as well, they'll they'll be the ones who invent the new technique for gardening, the sure. new farming technique, the new way to grow produce. You Snowball know. effect. Yeah, yeah, because that's where it's leading to an agricultural educator from Ohio State can come out and make eighty thousand dollars this year. 
that's no joke because we don't have enough people who know how to grow food and we have to feed uh-huh. this entire country and we feed a lot of other places yeah. in the world too I right agree. so so i think i think that that's the revolution i think that that's you know jamie oliver did that food revolution a mm-hmm. few years back and it and it hit in some places but it also maybe sparked some things in others and i agree anyway that's pretty so. awesome what uh how would how would people find you as far as like people in our community with uh with kids and whatnot yeah 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 so um i love to connect with schools i love to consult um i have not made a single penny off of this endeavor um i put everything back into the programming that i do and and stem education does take money uh and and it takes funding it's like art right art and stem (laughs) yeah (laughs) all of that takes a lot of money and and that's why art typically gets cut uh STEM, there's a major push for it and there's a lot of money for it, but how you do it's different. But if, um, if any schools, if anyone in the community who, who listens to this or sees the podcast, um, www.greenstems.org, uh, on Facebook is where I post a lot of my stuff. Um, you can see some of the activities I've done. I love to work with schools uh, because I've worked with schools and I've, and I've had a lot of experience working um, with people who have like successful school gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, I know how, you know, some of the pitfalls that we can fall into, mm-hmm. um, some of the reasons why school gardens don't succeed and so forth. So I'm very, very happy to, to meet with people and um, just to provide advice or, mm-hmm. you know, push in the right direction as far as programming mm-hmm. um, or even, you know, change the district, change the school environment. Let's. Let's invest in, in our kids' nutrition and their future, um, maybe a STEM career like that. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so we always like to end with just a very simple question. And it's, uh, what, is your, what is your definition of success? Yes. <laughs> mm. uh, uh, for me personally or for the world or whatever? Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. Just your, your definition. Success... Um, you know, success for me is is happiness, right? It's that life balance of happiness. Um, it, it's it's not being too much in in one direction, too much in another. It's finding um, it's finding that that happy medium. And I, and I don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that you know life is um, I don't know always finding a middle road. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think we, we tend to strive and push in different directions, but it's when those different directions um, do meld together and we've pushed the right way in different directions that, mm-hmm. that we find our, our success in life. And it, it can take a minute, definitely, for sure. It's a journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that, yeah. love that answer. That was good, man. Anytime. Um, well, uh, thank you for coming out today driving down from oxford thanks for and, having uh, me yeah man i've it's listened to these podcasts before and oh, watched cool. a couple yeah. of so they're, they're inspiring so i i really enjoy thank i you. really enjoy the work you do keep thanks, it up man. appreciate it uh, thank you all for listening to triumph every day make sure you subscribe on youtube itunes and everywhere your favorite podcasts are found you can find us at triumphstrength.net uh, on instagram at triumphstrength and facebook at facebook.com slash triumphstrength see you guys next week thanks again thanks